to the Getting Buckets podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, joined by... Me, Ethan, the legend, of course. <laughs> and we're back after a uh, pretty long hiatus from our last episode. I think the last one we recorded was uh, our season preview for the 2021 season, which uh, for you as a Nets fan didn't go according to plan, I'm guessing. Um, but I think the news that we want to talk about first and foremost is what happened with Kevin Durant. And let's do a little bit of spark notes here. For those that live under a rock the last two months, Kevin Durant asked for a trade from the Nets. He then went to ownership and demanded that the GM and the coach be fired. And the Nets held their ground and said, no, we're not trading you. There isn't fair value out there. And they kept him. And they reached an agreement to stay the long term. And Ethan, the question I have for you is, how do you feel about how this whole summer played out? And do you think that this is going to be a happy marriage for the next four years and there's really going to be no issues going forward? Well, as a Nets fan, I'm happy that he decided to stay. I mean, this whole, like, the past, like, two months, I was, you know, in f- furious, actually, that he asked out. But, but honestly, like, I did, from, like, a non-object- from an objective standpoint, what I'm rather than to say is that I understood why he has to be traded. You know, we ended the whole season with all this drama, James Harden, you know, quit on the team, and then Kyrie had his whole vaccination bullshit going on. So, and then, you know, the team was just like a mess going into the playoffs, and we got swept in the first round. So, I, I did understand why he uh, he did ask for a trade, and that's not even talking about, like, how much of a shit coach Steve Nash is. So, um, I, it made sense why he asked out. But obviously, as a Nets fan, I was pissed, really pissed, um, because I knew if, if we if he did get traded, like, you know, we we're never gonna get fair value for KD, and like, even if you get like a good player, like, it's just not the same. So, um, I, what it means uh, for the Nets is could this be a happy marriage? It's possible. I mean, if you look at the moves that the Nets made in the offseason, I actually really like the moves that they made. We got T.J. Warren. We just signed Markeith Morris. Those are, those are two like impact players. Those aren't like those, those aren't like some random signings. Like those are two very good players. And then Yuta Watanabe, who, who gives a shit about Yuta Watanabe? But, um, so Markeith Morris and T.J. Warren. Markeith Morris helps to strengthen the front court, and then you got T.J. Warren as an actual backup for KD because last year all we had was fucking Kessler, whatever his name is, Kessler, the rookie, and he had, he was okay, but it's not like any consolation to have a, like a rookie backing up KD. So that's why Katie was playing so much minutes. So hopefully the minutes are going to go down. I mean, fingers crossed. Um, probably not going to happen. Steve Nash is going to be like a serviceable coach next year, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, and I think Kyrie actually is actually going to have to be motivated to play a decent amount of games if he doesn't get injured because he, I think he knows that if he doesn't like have a good year, no one's going to give him a max contract except for like the Lakers because they need players because they're a dysfunctional organization. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, could it be happy marriage? It's possible. If the Nets are good next year, if we make, like, a deep playoff run or go, even go to the finals, then, yes, I would say that, that uh, things actually look good for the Nets moving forward. But it just, I think it really all depends on, like, this is the flashpoint year. If this year is not good, then, like, it could just be, like, pretty downhill from here. And, you know, then Ben Simmons, of course, also needs to be healthy. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts that need to happen. But if this is a, going to be a good year, 
It is only this year. There is no fucking next year anymore. There is no, you know, oh, there's always next, the next year Nets. It, it can't be like that anymore. It is this, this is the flashpoint year. It has to be this year. You're right, because Kyrie Irving is going to be an unrestricted free agent after the season. He, people know that he opted into his contract after there were reports that he wanted to find a trade out of Brooklyn, but there were there was no suitors out there besides the Lakers, but they didn't want to offer their two first-round picks. And the most important thing here is those three guys, Katie, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, staying on the floor together. That's going to be the recipe for success for this Nets team, is how many games can those three guys play together? Because we saw last season... With the big three of KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, what did they play? A total of maybe 14, 15 games together from the time that Harden got, you know, was brought over here. They just, they never were able to fully gel. And it was a problem with when Simmons came over last year. He had the back issue. Um, you know, he sat out most of the year with Philadelphia due to some complaints about how the situation was handled over there. And now, and now it's an, it's an issue for the Nets to see how many games they can get out of these three guys because... Kyrie Irving has had injury problems, you know, forget vaccination status. He's been a guy who hasn't been able to stay on the floor for most of his career. And Kevin Durant, you know, the last three seasons, you can talk about the first year being an Achilles injury, but overall in these first three years with the Nets, he's only played 90 games total in the regular season, which is a problem. And he's 34 years old. So you have to look at it as this Nets team is, like you said, in a win-now situation. They can't worry about next year. They can't worry about the future. This is a right-now situation for them. And like you said... Really good pickups for them in the offseason with T.J. Warren and uh, what's his name? Markeith Morris. Mar- Markeith Morris, like you just said. You know, they brought back Patty Mills. Um, they kept Nick Claxton, re-signed him. They still have Joe Harris. So they have a deep roster. The big key for them is just being able to stay healthy. Um, yeah, I did also like a small little Nets news, but what do you think about them not re-signing Bruce Brown? I actually think that was probably the Big mistake and one of the mista- the only mistakes Nets made in this offseason because obviously signing KD was a success, um, to keeping him I mean, but um, not re-signing Bruce Brown was a mistake to me, especially because he, he didn't even get that big of a contract. He got twelve two years twelve million from the Nuggets. Yeah, he got the mid level exception. So that that uh, was pretty surprising to me to be honest. I think they'll be able to survive because now you hope you can get 65, 70 games out of Kyrie Irving. And then you also have another guard like Ben Simmons who can fill basically that Bruce Brown role. So it's just like I said before, these three guys staying healthy, you won't feel the impact of a Bruce Brown missing from the team as much. And then like you said, also TJ Warren, that was a really, really smart pickup for them. And I think it kind of, it was the first sign to NBA fans that when those KD rumors were going on about the trades, that the Nets were like still trying to build a winning team around KD saying, hey, listen, we know there's other offers out there for you. But we still want to win here, and we still want to win with you. We're bringing in a legit backup small forward. We're bringing in now Marquis Morris, a legit backup power forward. Um, and you have a, hopefully a fully healthy Ben Simmons. I mean, this is a team that can compete for the Eastern Conference title heading into next season. We saw what happened with them against the Boston Celtics. Boston's going to be right up there with them, too. Milwaukee, obviously, is bringing back a really competitive team. The, the, the 76ers, James Harden looks motivated. I know you, you don't feel the same way because of how he left his tenure with the Nets. Um, but, you know, the Sixers look really good. So those top four in the East, it should be really competitive, but the Nets should be considered right in the mix. Yeah, no, the, the Nets, this is what I do want to say that I am very happy about, because the media and all, like, those Vegas sports books have been dick-riding the Nets for years, putting them as the favorite to win the title for the past two years, 
And I just feel like maybe it just got to their heads a little bit. Just maybe think of the, like, their favorite. Like, finally, the Nets, I think, only have, like, the, ni- the ninth best odds now to win the title. So, well, it's probably or the ninth it's, or, it's, or it's, like, the it's, sixth. It's probably gone up but since I think, yeah. coming back. But I think it's that it's good that, actually, you know, finally, the Nets don't have the first overall odds. They're kind of, like, not going under the radar, but they're not, like, have as much acclaim as they used to have in, like, the eyes of the media, even though, like, yeah, the Nets do, everybody knows in this type of good team. Um, but yeah, like, as I said before, it really, this is the flashpoint year. Like, there is, you you must have a good year this year, or else, like, it'll just be really bad. Even if you don't, even if you don't trade KD after this year, like, like, it'll just be, if you don't want to have a bad relationship, like, that's get really bad. So, I don't know. So, what I wanted to ask you is, you know, you talked about the trade packages. Uh, I know it's not a situation that's, you know, really there anymore but it could be a situation that arises next year let's say if things go sour once again so who were your favorite packages out there the, the you know the pelicans the raptors the celtics what do you think if a situation like this ever arises again i know you hope it doesn't because kevin durant is a top three player in the world when he's healthy uh what kind of packages do you think the net should be considering okay i the jalen brown a package center around jalen brown did entice me but it, I I don't think it's worth it because he wouldn't he wouldn't just he would simply would not resign with the Nets on any circumstances because he would have only one year left on his deal and the the only way he could get like the, the max amount of money is from a team that's not the Nets actually based on how the CBA works so uh, their odds of of resigning Jalen Brown actually are not very high my personal pick actually wasn't Scotty Barnes even though I do think he's going to be a good NBA player I really. Like, if there was one player that I really did want for all those trade packages, I actually did want Brandon Ingram. Because last year, he averaged like 26, 8, and 8. Um, and he had a really good year last year. Um, so that is like the that is like the one player that, like, if we did have to trade him for something, I'm like, who knows? Maybe the, you know, maybe the Pelicans are really good next year. And uh, they realize, yeah, that KD could actually make us like finals contenders. Like, that trade could still happen next year. So that is the one package that I actually would really like. The the Phoenix trade isn't going to happen. The Ben Simmons, the Miami trade isn't going to happen. It's way, it's way too complicated now, especially with the DeAndre Aiden getting paid and also with the stupid fucking rules with the um, the, rookie, the, rookie, the rookie Max. You can't have two of those um, players on your roster. So that that Miami trade and the uh, Phoenix trade are, are not going to happen. So it would most likely either be the Celtics or the Pelicans, but I would prefer the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, that that was the big issue out there is that KD couldn't – there, there wasn't a team out there that could give the Nets fair value where they said, okay, this is what we're seeking. You know, we saw those reports about how the Nets were asking the Timberwolves for Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and how they were asking some teams for five or six first-round picks that they didn't have the right kind of players that they wanted. You know, the, the situation just – for four years, when you're under contract like that, you know, it makes sense if he's under contract for one or maybe two years. But having him under contract for four years, it gave the Nets some leverage in these talks where they could say, listen, if you, if we can't get fair value for you on the market, you're going to stay here, whether you like it or not. You know, you can sit out for a little bit, but we have you under contract for four more years, and we're going to keep you here. And that, that's what's happening. You know, and the big issue, I think, that, you know, for a lot of NBA fans was the Rudy Gobert trade. And it's why I think Nets fans, I was telling you earlier, should probably be thanking Timberwolves for making that trade because just the value of NBA superstars went up so much more seeing a guy like Gobert get traded for four first-round picks and possibly even five when you consider 
uh, Walker Kessler, who was also involved in the deal. Yeah, that Rudy Gobert trade was just so trash. I mean, I'm happy it happened because it probably prevented a KD trade from happening, but just like the fact that Rudy Gobert could go for five picks in the modern NBA was just kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know what Minnesota was doing, but that's a topic for another uh, time. Um, but yeah, so now moving on to your favorite team, the New York Knicks. So everybody knows they had a disappointing season last year. Um, after they had that, you know, they, they were like the fourth seed the, the year prior when they and they lost the, in the first round to the Hawks. So they came into this year with some expectations and they fell on their face. And Julius Randle played terribly. Really just looked like shit the whole year. I, I just want to let it be known that the Knicks and Nets both had the same amount of playoff wins this year. All right, bro. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, I'm I'm not, dude. I'm just <sighs> <laughs> threw you off your track there. Huh? Yeah, you did. But uh, yeah, so the the Knicks didn't have a very good year. Um, Julius Randle looked pretty bad. R.J. Barrett um, showed some improvement. Even though he, there are some stuff that he still does need to improve on. So, yeah, whatever. In the offseason, they signed Jalen Brunson. And they uh, re-signed, they signed R.J. Barrett to a four-year uh, extension. So, f- first, I want to ask you, what what do you think about the Knicks offseason so far? I mean, I think it was fine. I don't think they took any massive risks. I know a lot of people will consider the, the Brunson deal a risk. But when you look at the value of NBA deals going up across the league, I think... Twenty-five million for a, for a starting point guard who is you know maybe a second-tier starting point guard in this league. I don't think it's that bad anymore. When you see guys like Damian Lillard making sixty million a year, you know I don't think it's that terrible. Especially with this new t- TV deal that's about to kick in in a couple of years, the salary cap's going to explode. So twenty-five million a year now isn't what it used to be seven eight years ago. You know that was superstar money. Now it's just starter or like borderline all-star money, which is what you know Jalen Brunson is. He can get to that ceiling of maybe a borderline all-star at his peak. Um, we saw what he did against the Utah Jazz and in that first round in the NBA playoffs. So, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I, I like the R.J. Barrett extension. It's the same deal that Jalen Brunson got after his first three years in the league. So I, I think those players are pretty comparable. It's fine. Um, I don't know. I just, the, the Donovan Mitchell talks, I know we're going to touch on that in a second, but that's really where I'm starting to get nervous about this thing. It seems like they got close a couple days ago, but then they used the R.J. Barrett deal is kind of like leverage saying, hey, if you don't get this deal done at a certain date, we're just going to extend Barrett and move on. So it seems like the talks are kind of stalling for now, but I would not be surprised at all if they kick back up in the next week or so. Um, yeah, so I was, yeah, the, I, um, I, so just like touching on the, the Knicks offseason so far, Jalen Brunson, um, I think it was a decent signing, you know, maybe, maybe slightly overpaid, but... Either way, I mean, uh, it's, he's still, like, the best point guard the Knicks have had since, like, fucking Raymond Felton. So, you, you, I mean, you, you can't really, like, dispute that. I mean, it, the Knicks needed a point guard, and they got one. So, uh, I think it's good for the Knicks. And R.J. Barrett, um, I think he's a good player. Do I think he's going to be, like, an eight-time All-Star in his career? No. I think he could be, like, a four- or five-time All-Star. I think he's a good player. I think he, uh, he has to still, you know, work on his efficiency, three-point shooting. But I think he does have a lot of potential. I like R.J. Barrett. Um, so yeah, the, these Donovan Mitchell talks, um, this R, yeah, this RJ, um, extension is kind of a red flag. The deal actually may not happen anymore. Um, but you know, Danny Ainge is asking for seven first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. Like that just, like that doesn't make any sense. 
Like, who's going to trade seven first-round picks? Like, I know the Knicks have, like, they have eight. Or, like, no, they have 11 tradable first-round picks. But, like, seven? Like, is, you can argue that, like, not even a prime LeBron is even worth seven first-round picks. This is the problem that I was telling you about with the Rudy Gobert trade. Is that it just destroyed the value of trading superstars. You know, teams around the league are going to get scared about trading for these guys who are under contract for three or four years because Rudy Gobert was able to fetch five first-round picks. Now, you look at Donovan Mitchell, people consider him the superior player, even though, you know, some do consider it to be Rudy Gobert. It's kind of splitting hairs here. But, you know, let's say Mitchell is a superior guy because, you you, you know, teams usually flat, you know, flash towards offense. And he's younger. And he's younger. Um, it's just what, how many picks is it normal to give up? Or, like, you know, a combination, let's say the, the rumor out there was that they were willing to give up R.J. Barrett and two first-round picks. And then maybe a couple of protected picks too. But you know, the really the big thing the Jazz want are all the Knicks four or five unprotected picks. Which just Danny Age needs to put down the crack pipe. It's not happening. I know he has this idea in his head that he can only make trades when he's completely fleecing the other team. But I'm sick of it. He can't keep getting away with this. You know, it's like it's like the breaking bad meme. He can't keep getting away with this. He does it every single time. He just waits and waits until a team offers way more than they should be offering. And he, and he gets these deals done. And I'm glad that the Knicks are standing pat and they're not giving in to his ridiculous demands. And it seems like Leon Rose is taking taking the smart path. For now. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but for now it looks like he's taking the smart path. Like the, yeah, like there there is a decent chance, you know, right before the season starts that he just, like, caves and uh, does the trade because he knows that there has been so much build-up and anticipation for this trade that the fans may just, like, be pissed if they don't make the trade. So there is a there is a decent chance that the trade does happen anyway. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I mean, I also thought there was odd that Donovan Mitchell he had like some trade requests, and he actually said that the Nets, the Heat, and the Knicks were his three preferred trade destinations. I was so confused when I saw the Nets were a destination. Like that, just like I don't know. Hey, like, listen, that was Danny confusing. Ainge loved Ben Simmons in the draft back in yeah, 2016. Yeah, he did, but, so. but if, if you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you just have this, this the same no-defense nets that cost us in the playoffs um, against the Bucks and even against the Celtics. So um, that would just that move would make no sense. Uh, hopefully, Sean Ross would have learned his lesson. I mean, I hope I, I actually hope that trade does not happen. I actually am very satisfied with the core that the Nets have right now. I think that Ben Simmons is going to have a bounce back here. I don't know if he's going to average like you know twenty two points per game or twenty points per game, but I think he's going to be very good next year and uh, motivated to prove everybody wrong. But uh, yeah, so on this Donovan Mitchell stuff, if the Knicks do trade for him, I do think there will be like you know a five or six seed maybe in the East. There won't be a contender for to win the the East or anything. There'll probably still be like on one more like star move away from being an actual contender, but. Or even like maybe one or like a one star and another like good player, but I think they would be like a, a nice little spicy team, not, not not anything to take seriously, but I think they would be a, a fun team to watch and it's something the Knicks Knicks fans would be very happy about. Yeah, so I think the deal with Donovan Mitchell is is that he's not the guy you know the big fish that you're trying to reel in to lead you to a championship. He's the guy, the second guy who you use, you know, to recruit other stars in 2024, 2025 when they become available. Because we always see in the NBA, you know, who's going to be the next big star to demand out. We always wonder, you know, everyone seems happy right now. And then all of a sudden, boom, James Harden asks out. And then, oh, everything seems good now. You know, things are calm. Boom, Kevin Durant asks out from Brooklyn. You know, and then another thing happens. And then 
boom, some, some other big superstar is going to ask out. Jokic, Luka, whoever it could be. I don't know. I'm just throwing out names there. But these guys always seem to become available and become unhappy with their situations because the team isn't building a, enough around them and they want to go to a better situation or maybe a bigger market where they can advertise themselves. So I think the big plan here for the Knicks, and I like the strategy, is bring in Mitchell as that second guy to bring in the big fish, which I hope they can eventually do. I know the Knicks have been planning this for the last 20, 30 years, ever since Patrick Ewing left, to bring in that big star. You know, they failed with the Amari and Mello situation because Amari's knees, knees were just completely cooked. And they just traded um, way too much for Mello. They, they, they gave up a lot for Mello. But the big problem there was more Mario, which is basically finished after, after his was, first year in New York. He was he was, um, yeah, he was done. But they're gonna try again, and they should try again because you know New York's not a t uh, you know a city that wants to wait on development. They want stars now. It's like the Lakers. They just they want stars, and they should want stars. You know, it's 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 a a, a city that's hungry for a championship. They haven't been to an NBA final since two thousand, um, and it's I, I I can't blame them. So I, I hope the Mitchell deal gets done without any huge. Um, amount of picks going or RJ potentially going in that deal somehow even though he just got extended I hope they don't give up too much and they can eventually lure that second that that big fish in to compete with Mitchell and with RJ Barrett oh it also was reported that the Knicks actually made several calls about KD this offseason too what are your thoughts on that it was never gonna happen I don't think Kevin Durant was ever gonna become a New York Knick uh, the, the Nets know the optics of something like that happening unless the Knicks offered Every single pick and every single young player in the organization, that deal was never going to happen. So I never really got too excited about that report when I read it. Yeah, I also just don't think that Sean Marks would have ever done a deal with the Knicks for Kevin Durant exactly. under any no, circumstances. He, would, he wouldn't. So, yeah, so now, I want to ask you this question, actually. So there have been a, a couple of moves that happened during the offseason. You know, Jante Murray to the Hawks, Rudy Gobert to um, the Timberwolves, obviously. There's also the... Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics and some other like small moves like so what what is like your favorite move that has happened so far this offseason? It's a good question. You rack my brain for a second. I I really liked the Jante Murray move, even though the 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 Hawks did give up a lot of picks. I I think it was a little bit too much, but I still like that move because the Jante Murray and Trayon they get the high Trayon a little more in the backcourt. Um, let's see what other moves were there around the NBA. I, you know, you know what I'll say my favorite move is? I'll say my favorite move is just the, it's probably the Nets standing pat and not moving all their guys and not giving in to demands because I think it's a bigger picture thing with the NBA is that we see so often around the league stars demanding out and immediately getting what they want. You know, the Nets actually stood their ground here and I, you know, as much as I, I give you shit for them as a, as a as a Knicks fan. I really respected what they did by keeping Durant in Brooklyn and telling him no. This is not how you are. We're going to operate. You you know the player empowerment has gone a little bit too far, and we're keeping you here because we don't like the value that we've seen out there. We're all, we're not going to be pressured into a deal. We're only going to make a deal if it's fair for us. So I think that was my favorite move. It wasn't really a move, but they kept him here, and I think that was I really respected the Nets for doing that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to reiterate what you said. It was, it was actually like pretty monumental, actually, especially in this player empowerment era, that the Nets actually said no to a star player, like to one of Kevin Durant's magnitude, like one of the biggest stars in the NBA. So that was obviously very, I mean, I was obviously happy to see it, uh, being a Nets fan. But for me, I actually, I did love the Jonte Murray trade. I, I think that um, the Hawks are going to be good next year. 
I don't think they're contenders, um, but I do think they're going to be a nice, spicy team. Um, the Rudy Gobert trade, I hated actually, but I don't want to get, you know dive into that too much. But I, I just think that's a, I really do not like that trade at all. Um, I think that the Timberwolves just gave up way too much, and I, I'm not 100. I don't really know if it's going to work. But the, my favorite deal, actually, I actually love the moves that the Celtics made this offseason. They traded for Malcolm Brogdon, who yes is a little bit of a risk because he is pretty injury prone. But they also got Danilo Gallinari, who isn't what he used to be. But I think also just tore his MCL, by the way. Oh, he did. He did, and, you're, and the, I believe I believe he tore his MCL in the Euro Cup. That's actually pretty. That actually is makes it makes it way worse. But uh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> but uh, still, getting Malcolm Brogdon um, was actually just what they needed because they they really needed a point guard, like you know, not like fucking shitty Marcus Smart, who's not actually a point guard. Uh, he just plays defense. Um, they needed somebody to like you know bring the ball up and actually set people up. And Marcus Smart is 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 a defensive specialist. He's not doing any of that. So so I think that they're actually like, if he doesn't get hurt. Um, I think the Celtics are going to be really good next year. Um, they're you know one of the best teams in the East, finals contender for sure. So I I, I really did like the Malcolm Brown move a lot. So I'll tell you actually now that I'm thinking about it, my favorite move. It's not it wasn't a big splashy move, but I think in the long run teams are really going to like it. Um, we, you and I were just talking about it a few minutes ago. John Wall to the Clippers. Oh, that was I, a, that was a I move. loved that move. You know, John Wall got thrown on the bench in Houston. He tore his Achilles uh, back in Washington. He got dumped on the Rockets in the in the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, maybe played, what, 30, 40 games there total in two years? And not because he wasn't healthy, just because the Rockets refused to play him because they were tanking. You know, that situation was very weird, how nothing ever came of it. Um, but now, he, you know, he got the buyout. He's in L.A. with a loaded Clippers team that's getting back a healthy Kawhi Leonard, a fully healthy Paul George. Marcus Morris, um, you know, they, they also, what's his name, Norman Powell. They have a Reggie really, Jackson also. Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum. I think that team is honestly my favorite in the West this that, year. I think that Clippers team will go to the finals, actually, yeah, if I, they stay healthy. They're, that is they're my favorite to win the West right now. I think them and Denver and Golden State should be considered the top three right now because what they, what they were able to do with those two big guys, PG and Kawhi, on the court together, it's unbelievable having two of the top five small forwards in the league, uh, two-way superstars. And then you add a guy like John Wall, who we see what he can do with the basketball in his hands. You know, maybe he's not prime John Wall anymore, but he can, let's say he's a six-man for them, you know, backing up Reggie Jackson. He can give you an easy 15 points, six assists on, on pretty good efficiency and even give you a little bit of catch-and-shoot. I think he's a career 38, 39% catch-and-shoot guy. So that'll really help them. And I, yeah, that's the move I think I really, really love. It's more of an under-the-radar move. It wasn't something splashy, but something I think that's really going to help the Clippers in the long run. Yeah, I, I, I co-sign that. I think the Clippers are going to be really good next year. One of the best teams in the NBA, if they stay healthy, of course. And that's a big if, because they have Kawhi, very injury-prone. Paul George, who also is pretty injury-prone. But still, I think they're going to be good next year. Um, I also want to ask you about this move. Patrick Beverly to the Lakers. Um, I, I, I hate the move, actually. Um, I think Patrick Beverly sucks. Um, I think his defense is not what it used to be. I think that, you know, it helped that Minnesota team that was very young, and his veteran presence helped a lot. But Patrick Beverly to the Lakers, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I don't know if Russell Westbrook is going to get traded at this point. Like, he might. If, if you trade him to Indiana for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, then the Lakers would be, I think they'd be pretty good next year, but... 
I don't know if Westbrook does not get traded, and there's a decent chance he doesn't. Like, how are you going to have Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook on the same team? Like, they they do not like each other. They hate each other. Actually. So, I'm going to tell you the exact opposite. I disagree with you, mostly because I I do think Patrick Beverly's defense is still really good. It's not really overrated. He was a big piece for them for Minnesota. Why they were able to get to the seventh seed and defeat the Clippers in the playing game. Um, and they gave the Grizzlies a run for their money. There were there were some really highly contested games, um, but the main reason why I think this is a great move is because if there was ever a way to get Russell Westbrook to demand a trade, it's by bringing Patrick Beverly into the organization. Those two hate each other, especially ever since when Patrick Beverly was with Oklahoma City. I'm sorry, Patrick Beverly was with Houston. Russell Westbrook, Oklahoma City, need him. You know, he tore up his knee. Um, that situation, they got into a big fight. Remember that? Um, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and ever since then, those guys have been hating each other. You know, Russell Westbrook had that famous quote, Pat Bev trick, y'all. He'd just be running around, doing nothing. Um, so those guys really don't like... You know, I know there was a report out there that they talked and they're ready to go, but I think that's, you know, that's all bullshit, to be honest. I don't really think those guys are interested in playing with each other. I think a Russell Westbrook trade is going to happen before opening night. That's my big prediction. I think, actually, you know, Going back to the Mitchell Knicks talks, I think he's going to be involved in that deal because the whole thing with the, Danny Ainge is he wants a ton of picks, and I think getting the Lakers 2027 2029 picks involved in a deal that sends Russell Westbrook to Utah, where they can buy him out, and you know maybe the Lakers get someone like a Boyan Bogdanovich or Jordan Clarkson, you know, packaging that deal together, they get them in addition to giving up those two picks and Russ. So I think that's a really smart deal. They get. Utah gets the additional picks. The Lakers get off Russell Westbrook, and they get two role players back. The Knicks get who they want, Donovan Mitchell, and they don't have to give up R.J. Barrett. So I think that deal makes a lot of sense for the three teams. I think it's something that should be broached before opening night because, you know, training camp, you don't want Russell Westbrook and, and Patrick Beverly getting into fights in practice or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really interesting trade. Uh, we don't have to go too deep into it, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that, that's something to be really smart because Patrick Beverly is a winner. He's always ultra competitive, Mr. 94 feet, just ne- just relentless on the defensive end. Even if he's not what he used to be, he's always going to compete his ass off. That's why he's in the league. He has more of a drive than most players in this league. He just doesn't have the talent as some others. Um, but yeah, he's he's just relentless. I love to watch him play. Um, he's got a bit of an attitude, and it's it's awesome. You need more players like him in the league. If every, if every NBA player had the competitiveness of Patrick Beverly, I think this league would be a lot better. So... Um, He's a lot of fun to watch. But, yeah, I, I think that three-team deal would make a lot of sense for all three sides. Um, yeah, no, you're right. In some ways, I mean, I don't know. I, I just personally, like, I don't know. I'm just not the biggest Patrick Beverly fan, to be honest. That's, that's why I don't That's, that's fine. I know some people. He's not everybody's, you know, you know favorite, favorite favorite player to watch. And it make, it's, it's understandable. But for me, he's just he's such a dog on the court. He gives it us all every single night. Even if he, you know, he does get hurt a lot. That's the really the big issue with him is that he can't stay on the floor these last few years. I think he's averaged like maybe 50 or 60 games a season. Um, so him being healthy is a big, it would be a big plus for them. I just want to say on like a side note, like I am actually kind of worried that if if Russell Westbrook is not on the Lakers by the opening, by the first game of the season, he there's a decent chance that he actually never plays in the NBA again. Like, Unless he plays for, like, the Hornets or some shit because Michael Jordan loves him. Other than that, like, he is so radioactive right now because, A, he was trash last year. Like, really just one of the worst players in the NBA last year. And um, he uh, 
He like refused. He refuses to change his game game the, the way he plays because he's been so successful with it, and that was part of the reason why um, the Lakers were so bad last year. But yeah, I mean, if the Lakers make that trade for they get like if they get Boyan Badanovich, like they would. That's a really good player. Like for that, he's a really good player, and he's exactly what the Lakers need. They, they need the shooting because they were one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA last year. I think they were like. In the bottom, in the bottom like third of the league in three point That's training. what happens when Russell Westbrook dominates the ball. Yeah, so no, you're right. So uh, yeah, that 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 trade would make a lot of sense to me. You know, talking about the Russell Westbrook thing, um, you know, it's kind of sad seeing how his career has gone the last four or five years ever since he left Oklahoma City. Uh, he had a good, really, really good year with Houston. Actually, yeah, if, he, you look, if you look at his numbers, yeah, he was he was good with Houston. Yeah, but, but after Washington, that, he had a really good stretch towards the end. But this last year with LA was just really a total mess from start to finish. And now we're talking about him potentially getting bought out and being, you know, like you said, maybe out of the league or probably like you know in a Carmelo Anthony situation where he's a minimum player for the rest of his career and he's just bouncing from team to team. But the thing is, he has to, you know, like Melo, he has to change his play style. Melo was a very dominant, you know. Ball, ball, dom- ball dominant guy, and Westbrook has to get you know stay play off the ball a little bit, go into like a mini Draymond role where he you know he screens, he cuts, he competes in the defensive end. He has to be that kind of player. He can't dominate the ball thirty percent of the time. He's not Luka Doncic. He's not LeBron James. He can't. He's not that guy anymore. He's not as explosive as he used to be, and I don't think he realizes that because his ego won't let him. He's so focused on you know being the best version of himself. That you know he 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 remembers those glory days in Oklahoma City where he was you know hitting game winners and you know breaking the rim off every single night with those thunderous dunks. Um, that it's just it's clouded his vision of of what he can be in the NBA today of being a you know an efficient role player for a team which he can be really good at. Like I said, like a mini Draymond role. I think he really exceeded that kind of role. Um, if he went to Charlotte, I think that'd make a lot of sense and maybe a minimum deal if he does get bought out by a team that trades for him. Um, you know, playing next to Lamella Ball, being a leader for those young guys. Um, I don't know. Some other teams could throw out there. Maybe uh, New Orleans. He can go there, be a backup for CJ McCollum. You know, you know, uh, help those guys out. Maybe go somewhere like Dallas or Miami, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, Miami. I thought actually was a, a team that I think would uh, actually would sign him to like uh, some like small deal. Yeah, it's it's sad seeing how his legacy has gone from all-time great to just the people considering the most overrated point guard ever because of how the last three years have gone. I know I know you're not, he's not your favorite player, but I mean, it's got to hurt seeing a player just completely fall off the wagon. No, it's, it's, it's sad, and I used to love Worthless when he was in OKC. Um, when That first year where he, when KD left and he averaged a triple-double, that was so fun to watch. He was so good that year. Uh, really was that was like a, one of the greatest singular seasons that Remember ever. That, ever that game winner he had against the Nuggets. Yeah, the last game. The season fifty so, point triple double. That was yeah, that, that was, was awesome. that was one of the best moments I think of the last five six years in the NBA. Yeah, that, that was, was a that was sick. That was that was probably if I if I remember any NBA season, you know, it was LeBron 2012-2013, those kind of seasons. You know, it was Kevin Durant twenty fourteen, and then Russell Westbrook what he was able to do in that year. That was just that was absolutely incredible. What he was able to, every single night it was a show, and that OKC team didn't have a lot of talent outside of Westbrook. You know they had Victor Oladipo, they had Stephen Adams, they Demontis Sabonis, but that, that was before that they were like good. Yeah, and that, like, that was before, that was the year before they got Paul George. Yeah. So, but it's just 
that was such an amazing team to watch, even if they didn't have the most talented team every single night. It's because Russell Westbrook was the most electric player in the league at the time, and it's just, it's not the same anymore, but he can still be such a productive guy in the league today. He just, he needs to get his ego out of the way and just realize what a, what a good role player he can be. Yeah, so uh, last question. There's been some rumors of Melo being linked back to the Knicks. Um, thoughts on the move? You like it? Good move? Bad move? I mean, if the Knicks end up getting rid of one of Obi Toppin or Julius Randle, let's say via trade, I think it's fine. I think if he's in a backup role, if he wants to finish his career out here, I'm totally fine with that. The Knicks aren't competing for a championship next year. As long as he's not getting in the way of development of young guys, I really don't see a problem with it. He's not going to come in here and demand 20, 25 shots a game. He's going to be the same player he's been the last two, three years with L.A., with the Blazers, you know, just taking a lot of spot-up threes, um, standing in the corner, you know, trying to compete on defense. That's all, that's all he is now, and he knows that. Um, and I think it would be kind of cool to see, you know, if it is his last year, I think he wants to finish in New York, and a lot of fans would like to see him finish in New York, so I'd definitely be really interested in seeing it. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad move. I think um, it it's, would... It's fine. It's, it's it's like it's, I don't think it's a bad move at all. I mean, it would be cool. Even like I was a Knicks fan when Melo was in New York, so back then, back in those days, so it would be cool to see him. I know the fans are really happy to see it. He would probably be really happy. But like for his like career, like do I really want to see Melo play like me like not for a contending team on one of the last years of his career where he should just try to get, like just sign with a contender. And get her, try to just get a ring on the way out. Like I, I think I would much rather see that, like see Melo potentially compete for a championship in his, one of his last years of the NBA. But I don't think it's a, a bad move for the Knicks. I think it will be. I think it will be cool. I mean, he was he was pretty he was good for the Lakers last year, and he had some good he had some moments. He had, had some he had a couple thirty point games. Uh, I I think uh, he's still a good player. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's an okay move for the Knicks. I mean, it's all about. What Melo wants, you know, we saw it with Vince Carter. Everyone demanded every single year, go to a go to a championship contender, go to a championship contender. He didn't want to do it. He wasn't interested in the ring chasing, and you know, Melo, it's it's totally up to him if he wants to go in his last year and sign with, let's say, the Nets, or he wants to sign with the Warriors, or he wants to sign with the Celtics and just go ring chasing. That's fine. I'll be totally happy to see him do that because he deserves a ring. He's competed in this league for the last what is it, 18, 19 years. I think he deserves a ring. But if he also wants to come home to New York, I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, it's where his family is. It's where his wife is. It's where his son is. You know, it's where it's where he – maybe the Nets. You know, he could get the best of both worlds competing for a championship and living in New York. It's not something – it wouldn't be my favorite thing in the world, but I'd still root for him because he's one of my favorite players ever. Um, so that's a possible strategy. But, yeah, if he wants to come to New York and finish it out in the Garden, you know, where he feels like he got the best years of his career – and we you know where you got the most love and appreciation. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that if that's what he ended up doing. Um, yeah. So I think uh, that's all we have for for you guys today. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the Game Buggers podcast. We'll try to make this, um, you know, try to get back into this and do this shit more often. I really had fun with you today, Jordan. And yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time. Peace.